Hi, I'm Aaron and welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, where we explore, well, you guessed it, hip hop. I'll be interviewing the best artists in the game while also taking some time to appreciate some new and classic albums. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for any upcoming news and guests. Also, don't forget to check out my new Patreon under Hip Hop Hustle that will give you exclusive content and help me keep the show running and getting better. All right, let's get into it. Awesome. Well, welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I've got a really exciting guest on the show, the, definitely the youngest guest that I've ever had on the show, Lil D. Uh, and if you haven't heard of Lil D, uh, making huge waves in hip hop because, I mean, man, you're only 16 years old. And when I first heard you rap, I was like, there is no way you're 16. Like in terms of where you're at, in terms of your age, what you've accomplished, the people that you've you've worked with, it is amazing in terms of what you've done. You've been on, you know, on radio interviews. You've pretty much done what rappers who are, you know, in their 20s, 30s wish they could have accomplished. But you know, man, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, nah, it's my pleasure to be here. You know, I mean, I, I, with features, it's a different thing, you know, like, but but when it comes to interviews, I'm always down to kick it, talk about hip hop. You know, that's something I love. So I'm always down for things like this. And Well, uh, the thing that surprised me the most is like, you know, how well you actually developed your craft so quickly. Because the first freestyle I ever saw of you was when you were 12. And there was just a bunch of grown men in the background and you look so out of place. But then when the beat comes on and you start spitting, everyone just tunes in and is like, holy shit, this is legit. Like, this is not just some show. Yeah, man. Back in the day, that was Cypher Circuit. For those of you who, who don't know about Cypher Circuit, it was very underground thing. Only a selective few people in this world really know about what that was about. But basically there was this page on Instagram, right? And they would post like a beat every single week, whether it was like a producer from their kind of like community or an old school hip hop beat, they would post a beat every week. And all the MCs who were a part of the platform would basically like rap over the beat and the top 10 raps would get mentioned on this podcast, right? that they did. So every like maybe year or so, they would bring all those guys out to Philadelphia at this place called Marson House for a cypher. And that's where I did my first cypher. So it was really just, you know, cause back then I, I didn't have too many fans. I didn't have too much going on with me. And just to be there in that environment and have so many people like, you know, support you and cheer you on people that you know really know about the craft and the music it's it's a it's a phenomenal feeling for a 12 year old to feel it's like you know like the, the sky's the limit kind of taught me but yeah one of my favorite moments of my life still to this day was that cypher great time so tell me about how that happened so like do you submit a a track or you know a freestyle on a beat they do they reach out to you like how does that work in terms of setting it up really depends with that one specifically it was just because all of us were a part of that cypher circuit community so they would just call all the regulars up to come do it so that was more of a phone call thing where they were like yo come through if you can to philly uh on this date blah 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 here's your beat 
right they always used to say right it's like 24 bars max and we would all go like 64 bars because nobody cares you know that's hip-hop you know what i mean but uh with other ones i did like the world mc cypher i did um i was in talks with them already but i got accepted into being in that cypher because i rapped over a beat that they posted and like they accepted certain submissions so it really depends on which like type of ciphers you're doing, who you're doing it with, you know, it, it's very different. Everything is different. But with the first one that we were talking about before, it was more of just like a phone call thing. And, and so what did you have to say to your parents? Like, because I feel like it's a weird kind of conversation to have of like, there are grown adults going, hey, come down to do a cipher with other rappers and you're 12 and you're like, I think this is about to get real. Uh, it was, uh, well, look, my father used to, my father, not used to, he still is. My father's my manager and he used to deal with all that stuff more. Like they would reach out on Instagram DM and like now I'm 16. So I answer my own phone calls for the most part. You know what I mean? So I'm about to be 17, a uh, little later on this month on the 17th. Uh, so, you know, like I pick up those phone calls now, but back then he used to pick up and, he used to do the writing and he would kind of, he was the one that told me that that was going on. And I was like, Oh shit. You know, and the drive up there felt like King of the world. And it's like, I look back now on how like small that was compared to the things that I've done. But at the same time, like I can still always feel that emotion about that cypher. Like, cause that was my first thing where I was like, yeah, like this could really happen for you. And so how long was your, dad managing you up until that point like at what point did you start rapping and then you know your dad is like or your family is like i can see a future here or there is something that requires management in a way uh well i started rapping at 10 but when i was rapping at 10 i wasn't taking it seriously you know like i was just fucking around but like when I was like a year later, like 11, like a year before this cypher happened, like that's really when like he was like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to post every week. We're going to rap over this beat. We're going to whatever. And like it was always me with the pen. Like a lot of people at the beginning of my career had the misconception that he wrote for me like that. That was never, ever the case. The only thing he would ever really do is like kind of give me guidance in the way where it's like, oh, rap on this beat this week, stay on top of it, like don't slack. You know, he, he just kind of pushed me to be better. So that was managing in the beginning, but now it, it's a different thing. But I feel like soon, uh, you know, he's done a great job. He really has. But soon, like we, me and him both like agree that it's time, like I get somebody like, and, and we've held off on this for a long time because it's like, it's hard to trust people in the industry, but like we're thinking about looking into getting somebody to kind of manage me that's more experienced and has more connections. Cause right now I feel like I have potential to really like make it and I have everything I need. So, I mean, I don't know if that's something that's going to come about now, but I do know that we're in talks of that for the first time, but my entire life for the past seven years of my life he's been right there you know like not even just as a manager but like as a father as a friend as somebody I can go to 
just all around has been there for me through thick and thin. And, and I couldn't have gone this far without him. So it was more than a manager, but he took on that role because he felt like he had to as my father. Well, it's clearly worked in terms of your relationship with him. And, and you know, a, there's a saying that goes, you shouldn't mix, you know, business with friends and family. And clearly that hasn't affected you and your relationship. So that's really good to hear and good to see. And, you know, if there's any, you know, top, top managers or anything, feel free to reach out as well via us, you know, why not do a shout out? Um, but in terms of like for you, so did your dad, when you, you mentioned that he would be like, don't slack on this and, and focus on that. Would he actually coach you on like how to hit bars cleaner or would he go, let's make this a little bit faster? Like, would he actually try and help you coach that? It was never, he never told me change this line or like speed up this flow. He was never like that. Cause if he would tell me to do that, I tell him, look, like, I'm not about that. Like if I'm going to be a rapper, like I don't need anybody else telling me, you know, kind of giving me that. Cause in a way I, I, especially at the beginning, it was like, I felt that if I was to let him do that, then people would look at me in a certain way. Cause remember when I first started rapping, that's when Drake kind of got exposed for the whole Quentin Miller shit. And it was really like a scary time to have anything close to a ghostwriter. And I was like, and I still am today. I feel that you are not a real hip hop artist if you do not write your lyrics, because it's not like all these other genres. Like in pop, Justin Bieber doesn't write his songs. His talent is his voice. You know what I mean? Like there's a million examples of this. Like Elton John didn't write his songs. He had somebody writing them for him because his voice is the talent. And although it doesn't apply to all these new school rappers nowadays, I feel like if you're about real hip hop, like if you're like a Benny the Butcher type character or some guy like me or Marlon Craft or, or, or just guys that like really rap rap, like a J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar type cat. If you don't write your lyrics you or you let somebody like critique your lyrics like I'm not about that you know so when he would try and do that I, I would tell him like stop and he stopped because there was only one way for me to really get better and it was for me to learn to do those things on myself and now I, I do so it's like the one thing he always used to tell me though is like you gotta master flow you gotta master flow you gotta master flow and he wouldn't tell me how to do it whatever not that he knew how to do it really, but it's like, cause he wasn't a rapper, but like he would just tell me to always listen to Biggie cause Biggie was really good at flow. So I would listen to a lot of Biggie and I mean, I, I was very good. I, I had my great moments with it and just my good moments and some moments were iffy, but I'd say like the beginning of my sophomore year, like it was down, like there was nothing, there was nothing I, could rap that didn't have like a great flow to it. And I think it's boosted my talent to a completely different level. So, well, I would agree that flow is one of the most important parts of hip hop purely because like just sonically. And I've said this before on the show that like there can be a fire beat and you can have fire bars, but if the flow doesn't match, regardless of how good those two things are, there's always a disconnect. You just, you don't know why, but that's usually what it is. They haven't caught the beat or for whatever reason, the voice doesn't really match what they're trying to go for. And like, I think that's a real challenge when it comes to hip hop as well. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, mastering flow is the best thing. Like, I see a lot of these rappers now, and when they try and, like, flow on an old-school beat, like, it's just not... It's not right. Like, you don't know how to flow correctly. You don't know how to stay in the pocket. You don't know, you know, just how to match your words up with the beat. Because these new stool rappers, not saying this is bad, because I like a lot of them, but I feel like there's... Uh, it's this thing where like they'll sing or they'll like do the same type of like flow cadence and when they're forced to switch it up like it doesn't sound good i've uh and then i can't connect with the music you know i feel like it, it goes all three for me like if there's a good bars and good flow but the beat is trash like i'll respect it and i'll quote lines from it if it's really crazy but will i listen to it full body you know, and really like enjoy it while I bump it in a car. Like, I don't think so. And it's the same thing with flow. And it's the same thing with bars. Like for you to have a dope song, in my opinion, you got to have all three. So that's how I feel, you know? Well, let me ask you then about Big L. In a couple of your tracks, you mentioned and referenced Big L. And to me personally, I think he's got the flow. He's got the lyrics, but his beat selection is not that good. Like out of all three, I have always felt that his beat selection, they're not the best, they're not the worst, but if he had some amazing production, obviously, you know, he's passed away, but if he had amazing production, it would have elevated him even further. I mean, look, at the end of the day, right? I think Big L's the greatest rapper of all time. And I'm very, I'm very like, I express that a lot to a lot of people. I feel like Big L doesn't get the shine he deserves. I think bars alone, he was phenomenal. But I don't know, man. I think that uh, a lot of his tracks really did have dope production. I mean, as far as the first album, I can understand what you're saying. Like, Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous. I feel that if you got it, you got it. But if, like, it wasn't really hitting, it wasn't hitting. But I feel like he tried to keep the same type of like gritty theme, same type of drums, same type of backgrounds, same type of hooks. And I feel like, I don't know, altogether, I think it was a it was a great project and it did have some dope production. But I can see what you're saying. However, the big picture, I mean, look, Platinum Plus, Deadly Combination, The Heist, The Enemy, you got all kinds of tracks, I think, that had phenomenal production. I've rapped on Full Back, Flamboyant. These are some of my favorite hip-hop beats of all time, so I don't know. I mean, I can see where you're coming from, but I don't know. I, th- I really think he had it. I wish he didn't pass away. Honestly, if I could bring one hip-hop artist back, and I, I'll, it surprises a lot of people, but like, I would really bring him back. I don't know how huge he would have gotten, uh, but... I know that real hip hop fans would have truly been able to like say like, yo, this guy is the best because he was only on the way up. He was mastering that double time flow too. you run it with boys and run it with men. I'll be ripping the mics until I'm 110. You know, like he, he was he was mastering the style and he was just getting better at bars. Like I got enough bread and, and mad hoes ass Beavis. I get nothing but head, you know, like he, he was. He was the dopest. Like, nobody could fuck with Big L. Nas even went on record saying, like, when he first heard Big L rap, like, he was scared. Like, he was like, how am I supposed to do this if 
there are guys like this. Like I, that's also something I miss in rap where like the greatest when there would there would be a new greatest and then the greatest would like be like, yo, like this is a little scary. But I love Big L. I have so much love for Big L. I'm looking for it. I know they're doing a movie. I don't know how, again, I don't know how big that's going to be because he has a very, very selective fan base. But I can't wait for that. It's going to be dope. And I just, I love Big L. One of my favorites ever. Well, Big L is in my top five of all time. Yeah. So he is. Anybody. Like, yeah. And we actually reviewed uh, that album, The Big Picture, on this podcast. Uh, me and my two friends, that's how this started. Uh, this podcast we reviewed that album but my critique honestly on that album um is that it feels like and unfortunately there are some tracks where they got some some bars from big l that almost didn't fit in a way or they were like leftovers and then you've got these rappers who listen to the to big l's bars and they come in and they can beat him so I felt like that was a bit strange to me. Like some of the production on there didn't feel like, like what he would have gone for because he had said previously that he was all about, you know, hip hop hooks, hip hop bars, but then they have R and B and sing songy hooks, but that's not what he would have done. And he, published yeah. so uh, it was that he died in, in 99 and it came out, it came out a year later in 2000, but like, my thing with that album is like, I can appreciate the artistry of it because you got Daddy Kane proving that it's the year 2000 and he could still lose his shit lyrically, you know, like go crazy. You had like storytelling tracks and stuff and Tupac, Tupac got killed on that song. Like, I'm going to be honest, like. I'll be that young foodie, fly, smooth, glorious kid. A bad boy just like Notorious Big. A Rockefeller like Sean Carter with more game than Ron Harper. The bomb sparker rapper slash John Robber. While y'all be on the corners bubbly and high, I'll be out buying the finest shit money can buy. You wish you was in the position that I'm in. Hot rhyming, diamond shining, autograph signing. My lifestyle is far out. Every week I bring a different car out. I go to nightclubs and buy the bar out. Uh, cause I get cream. I'm large on the street scene. I hear all the freaks scream, you know, like I did. he didn't even drop that long of a verse and Tupac's whole, follow me, tell me if you feel me, you know, like I, I, Big L just like killed him, you know, that's, that's, that's how I feel. I mean, every time I say that people come at me, but like, honestly, like Big L killed him on that song, posthumously killed him on that song. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like if he would have went on a track with Nas, Pun, Biggie, Wu-Tang, all these guys, I feel like he would just wash them. That's why I... He See, the one thing them. I disagree with is I think Big Pun could body him. I Honestly, Big Pun is my number one. I would say that it would be a very close call, but I think Pun would take it away because you know that Pun had those like caught in the middle a little, literally, little did he know that he riddled with little... Oh, I started rapping my own shit. <laughs> Or in the middle a little literally little did he know that he read over with middlemen who didn't do diddly. I like, yeah, I mean I like pun is my my favorite of all time. And I think and capital punishment to me is underrated in the same way that I think both Big L and Big Pun, especially now, uh, you know, don't get enough credit, but they've been gone for close to 20 years. So it kind of I kind of understand some of it, and especially now where hip hop is. 
Like it is such a different sound. You actually have to go and learn the, you have to study it and learn the ear. But, you know, I, I just think those two, I would have loved to see them together on a track. Me too. It would have been crazy. I mean, yeah, I think Capital Punishment is better than a lot of albums that people state as the greatest hip hop albums of all time. In When I was in middle school, I praised Illmatic as the best hip hop album ever made. And it still is one of, but as I got older, like I realized that Capital Punishment kind of like, you know, it's track after track after track, just lyrical slaughter and he had everybody on that album you know and he he had the party track like and still not a player and then he had the you ain't a killer tracks and you boomerang, know he, he, alive. boomerang oh. is one of my favorite hip-hop songs of all time and i feel like that song in the dream shatter i get like really slept on and it's not from capital punishment but his song leatherface uh do you know the other thing what? Is that yeah. Fat Joe, in my opinion, was his best at that time. I, I feel like Fat Joe is underrated and undercredited, but Fat Joe spits some deadly shit in that album. And that to me It'll, in his whole day in hell, the day I take an L. Come on, man. Fat Joe had it, man. Fat Joe, Fat Joe still got it. I'm not even gonna lie. Like his new album, like I mean, I didn't listen to it like crazy thoroughly. There was a lot of shit that came out that day. I had homies that dropped that day, but like Fat Joe still got it, man. And and it's like, I'm glad people know about Fat Joe because if all the way up never happened, like this new generation probably wouldn't know about no Fat Joe, Remy Ma. But you know, even like before, everybody's like, oh, Lean Back was Fat Joe's prime era. Like when Fat Joe was, had that, had that, uh, I forget what the project is called, but it has the big brown project building in the back and it has that song Bad Bad Man on it. I don't remember the name of the album, but that was Fat Joe's Prime, the big pun terror squad days, man. I you know, technically, agree. Big L and Big Pun are on a song together. Are technically. They? Which which one? Bring them, bring them Back. Fat Joe had a song called Bring Them Back. He had a Big L verse in the back. It's not authentic, but there's two unreleased verses one from Big L, one from Big Pun. If you haven't heard that, check them out. Bring them back. Real, real actual track that was released. But that's not what I'm talking about. I don't count it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that that wasn't really them together. Well, I think, but that's the thing about the big picture is that in The Enemy, Fat Joe sounds amazing. Like that's him in his prime. And then he's got another track, but it was, it feels like it was recorded two years later. And I can, you can hear the difference between Fat Joe at his prime and then after Pun has passed. And that those little details to me were what made that album a little bit strange. So, like, I love that we still got Big L, but I felt like the features had some amazing moments, but then they just, they just had to fill it somehow at the end. They had, like, maybe six solid tracks but then they had to feel the rest it was this one track at the end that i liked but it was not really it let me go see it was the track with stan spit on it shout out to stan spit but i don't know i wasn't feeling that track hold on big picture i think some of the production was off. yeah look look at the end of the yeah so look you had two tracks that are the exact same with two different beats which 
makes no sense to me. Just choose one. The, the heist, the heist revisited at the end. Yeah. Yeah. That was just a fill up space. I mean, beginning of the album was real strong. Ebonics, size them up, deadly combination, 98 freestyle, holding it down, the heist, the enemy, fallback, flamboyant casualties of a dice game platinum plus. But these last four tracks, who you sliding with, games, the triborough, and the heist revisited. I don't know. I agree. But that's yeah, what that's the, the, that's the one. The Burrow is the one with Fat Joe that you said sounds like it's recorded a few years later, right? Yeah. No, nah, I agree with you. I don't know. I, it wasn't. I didn't. I really. I, the first half of the album really to me is the album. Yeah. I think it's more like as a hip hop fan, it makes me a little disappointed when, like, you know, they filled it to sell it when they could have just released it as just the. It like. It hurts his legacy in a way because you hear these tracks. It's a Big L titled album. And as a Big L fan, I'm like, you kind of do him a little bit dirty by releasing some tracks that he probably wouldn't have wanted on the album. They should have made it short and just absolute fire, like six, seven tracks, and that's it. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, look, Flamboyant, one of my favorite hip-hop songs of all time, All Back, Platinum Plus, Ebonics. Not only favorite tracks of all time, but like the beats on those, you know, crazy. DJ Premier on that album, my favorite producer of all time. Primo, my favorite producer, man. Uh, look, Kanye technically is my favorite producer, but like Kanye's like, I don't even really consider Kanye rap music. Like Kanye, one of my favorite artists ever, honestly. Like I feel like his artistry is what's really amazing about him and, and how he was able to do those type of things but like like hip-hop hip-hop like primo got it and you know i got a story about primo uh back in 2019 yeah 2019 my freshman year uh master ace and marco polo did a show at the knitting factory for the for the, for the album that they did that was coming out and me and marco polo had my debut ep that was coming out same time so i was there and you know he invited me to come through and chill and uh a lot of heads in there i got to meet pharaoh Monch. i got to meet dj mr c i met master ace for the first time that's when me and my man marlon Kraft met for the first time that's the only time i ever met him we've spoken but that's the only time i ever saw him in person but then dj premier was there and like look not many times in my life i was flabbergasted by seeing somebody that because you know what at the end of the day like i listen to these people's music you know but like we're all human and when i see them and like i see that they're human like it's just it's love like i love what you do but it's nothing too crazy for me but when i saw dj premiere i don't know man i went up to him i was like yo what's up primo like you're my favorite producer of all time i, I go by the name of lil d what was that like 13 14 i'm like yo i'm 14 years old uh I, I don't know if you heard of me, but you're going to be hearing about me soon. I'm about that real hip-hop, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Talking my shit, like I said to everybody else. But, like, I, I was, almost got choked up on my words because he like, my favorite. So, and then he goes, you're that kid that raps in the car, right? Now look, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not too proud to admit I had to go outside and take a moment because I started crying, man. But, like, that, that's, that's real right there because that really showed me, like, your name getting around. And I actually haven't gotten a connection with him after that day till to this day but i feel like 
you know, I have that feeling like no matter what, I, I'm definitely going to have a track with Premier one day. I mean, shout out to my man, David Bars. Like me and David Bars are supposed to do a track and he said that we probably going to rock over Premier beat. But even if that doesn't work out, like I feel like, I don't know, I can't see it not happening. Because like, as, as you could probably already tell, like I'm a student of the game. I studied this hip hop shit for a long time. Like I'm not going to lie, lately I've been really into rock music and I've been getting into back into soul music and, and just exploring the different genres because it's good to be well-rounded, you know? Uh, but hip hop is my first love and, and my your first love is always important, especially when I am taking a career in, in real hip hop. So I, I feel like, I mean, I, I, I manifest this shit every time I listen to one of his tracks and see that picture of me and him and think of that memory. Like I, I, I can tell that one day me and Primo are gonna have a track together. And one day when me and Primo have a track together, we're gonna look back on this interview and we're gonna be like, oh shit, he knew. Well, I'm gonna say right here, right now, if you do a track with Primo and don't hook him up to come on the show, I'm gonna feel I'm going to feel dirty because that's also a dream come true. Like I've said, and I say it to my friends all the time, like if there was one person that just as a hip hop head that I would love to talk to, just to have a conversation with, it would be primo. But I'm also nervous that I wouldn't be able to speak, that I would just be in awe purely because like, and I'm sure he gets it a lot. Like I'm, I'm sure he's aware of like how much people appreciate what he does. But, like, as a fan, it was like, you know, it's almost not real in a way. And, and you know, you having to go outside and compose yourself, to be honest, I would have to do the exact same thing. It's like your hero. You meet your hero for the first time and it's like you see, like, they're this, it, yeah, it's even right now I'm struggling to speak and literally that never happens. Yeah, it's it's a wild feeling and it's like, Things got a lot more normal for me, like meeting guys that, like meeting big guys. Like I, I met Bismarcky, Slick Rick, Chub Rock, and Vanilla Ice all at the same night when I performed with Vanilla Ice at Radio City Music Hall. And it was like, after that, like meeting guys didn't feel too crazy, but he was, him and Method Man were the only two really that really like, oh shit. And shout out to Master Ace as well, who I've had on the show, yeah. who is a he's fantastic and underrated as well. Someone who he's had a really long career and um, he was fantastic to speak to. So whoever, has, if you haven't checked out Master Ace, check him out. Um, I think he was around the 30s or 40s for me in terms of episode number. But if you want to listen to that interview, check that interview. But he was an awesome guy. He's really great. Um, he was a nice guy when I met him too, but but yeah, he was, he, he still is. He, he's really great and he's great at rapping and his voice is dope and the way he flows is dope and he, he doesn't get too complicated with like spitting flows. Like he, he always kind of has that like that bop, but it works, you know, and, and he always has those bars and he, he has subject matter and all his shit. Like he has that song, Fuck All Y'all with Strick. That song is crazy, bro. Like when I'm not in the mood for nothing, and I'm in when I'm and I'm in listening to rap, like that's my song right there. That that and break stuff by Limp Bizkit. Those are my two songs where like I, if I'm tight, that's what I listen to. But those those are my songs and the Ice Cube sample on it on the hook, it's dope. And then he had that song Acknowledge. I don't know who he went at on that song. Guys are relevant clearly, you know. 
but he went at that guy and he killed him and he, he kind of showed everybody like don't mess around with me and uh that album he did with polo was real dope he had a song called count him up and song called kings song called brooklyn with my boys smith and wesson tech and steel uh a lot of dope tracks to me and he's just a very very great artist and i feel like he doesn't get a lot of praise uh but i, I really think that if you love real hip-hop and and for those kids out there that like are just now getting into real hip-hop like down the line somewhere you you gotta take a listen to, to master ace you know he has like there are three albums i could really say that were just phenomenal and that track hold you as well to me is one of the best storytelling songs and for anyone who hasn't heard it listen to it and then come back to me and message me what was it actually about that's all i'm gonna say what was it actually about because i gotta i gotta go re-listen to it i haven't heard that song in a minute it's amazing it just the the whole storytelling and the emotion and he said that he learned from slick rick and he was listening to Slick Rick and that, and you know, you've met Slick Rick and I'm going to ask you about Method Man at some point, but how was that? Cause you know, Slick Rick is one of these figures again, where like, unless you're into hip hop, you actually don't realize his impact on all these people who yeah. studied his music. Let me get the picture out, man. Cause he, he, like he, he dressed exactly how you think he would be dressed. <laughs> For those who don't, who won't see this is like wearing He's dressed like a pimp, honestly. Like yellow, right. yellow suit. The gold ribbon around it, right? He got the gold eye patch. He got grills on his top teeth. And he got all kinds of chains with like yin yangs and triangles and shit. Uh, he got a big cross. And then he, the same color gold he has as like a blazer and his pants. And his undershirt is the same color purple as his hat. He has like this little pocket, like pocket square. That's the same color purple. He was dope and uh, he performed and he was dope and he went on stage he was dope. It was dope meeting him too. He didn't know who I was, but, uh, and it was very brief because I was back there backstage and he went on stage right then. But I got to dap him up, take a picture with him and like tell him like, I said the same thing. Like, yo, you're going to hear about me soon. Like, now about that real hip hop shit, like you inspired me a lot, like the storytelling, just Mona Lisa and, and Lottie Dottie and all the storytelling. Me and Nas bring it to your hardest, like all, all these tracks, man, like these, these are these are my jams and I grew up on that and, and I appreciate you for all you've done for hip hop. He's like, thank you. And he was with this whole posse of guys. Right. So I. I Finished getting off stage with Ice, and we kind of went back and forth freestyling in front of Radio City Music Hall, and then I went off stage, went back to the dressing room, whatever. But now I'm walking through the main regular area where you enter the theater, right? And one of his boys comes up to me, rocking big Slick Rick hoodie, like kind of same type of hoodie I'm rocking, but it says Slick Rick right here, and pulls up, taps me and my father up, and he's like, you got it. Rick loved it. So, you know, I, I didn't get to speak to him after that, but just hearing that Rick loved it, you know, means a lot. Pioneer in storytelling and hip hop. Uh, one of the most legendary artists to come out of hip hop. So much influence. And yeah, it, it was a dope experience to, to be able to meet Slick Rick and hear that he thinks I'm dope. Much love. Yeah, I can only imagine what it does to 
to you and like, you know, clearly it still sits with you, but how did you come into contact with hip hop? What was your, like, do you have a defining moment where you found out about the genre? Do you have an album or like, what was it? You're going to be so surprised. Look, I I mean, hip hop would be played in the car all the time, but like, so would like R and B and soul and shit. Like my father used to, I remember distinctly these two songs, like let me love you by Mario. Please don't let me love you. Like that was my shit when I was a kid. Oh, and Beautiful Girls by Sean Kingston, he would always play. And this song, uh, Be Thankful for What You Got by William Devon. If you like soul music, check that track out. Classic track, one of my favorites, one of my favorite memories from my childhood. So when I was younger, I was more about, you know, that. And I was really into Michael Jackson, stuff like that when I was like a little kid. But he would always play hip hop in the car. I remember I was coming back home from wherever I was at. I was like, what, five years old? And... High 97 is on and Ludacris on the radio. And he goes, uh, she could get lower than I ever really thought she could. Face down, ass up, top of your booty jiggling out your jeans. Baby, pull your pants up. You like it when I do it better than you ever seen it done before. <laughs> so how low can you go lower than your mama's ever seen it in a lifetime? And he was just like, I don't know. Like he, I felt like he was just going crazy on the beat. And I was like, yo. Like what? And I had like really bad ADHD when I was a kid. So like I was in a car and I'm not even playing with you. Like I was losing my shit. Like I was going bullshit and I was just like going crazy. I'm like, yo, what is this, bro? Like, what is this? This is crazy. So then my dad pops on MTV and uh, Eminem just dropped Recovery. Kanye dropped My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Drake dropped Thank Me Later. Lil Wayne dropped the Carter Three a few years back. Uh, Jay-Z just came out with Empire State of Mind. And uh, what's that other song he had on that album that was real big? Run This Town. So those tracks really, like, just seeing them on MTV, it was like, immediately, like, I start forming idols, like Eminem, Jay, Kanye, even Wayne, Drake, you know. And then my dad went deeper into it. He's like, if you like this, then I'm going to put you on. He would play Biggie in the car, run DMC. He was really big on guys like that. So when I was old enough and I realized, like, I really love hip hop, I kind of did my own research and I would, I didn't have Spotify premium. So all I could listen to was the radio stations for certain artists and albums. So like Biggie radio, right? If you go on Biggie Radio right now, like just to show you guys kind of what I used to do, right? You go on Spotify, you look up Notorious B.I.G., right? And then you click on it and it says go to radio. You go on and it got a Nas song, Fat Joe, Jizza, Busta Rhymes, Snoop Dogg, uh, Rakim, Big L, ODB, Cameron, and I would go through these songs and I would find these songs, add them all to my playlist, right? Then I would go to all of these artists' radios and go through their shit. So I did that until I covered everybody in old school hip hop. And once I did that, I went into every single artist and I went through their entire discography just listening. And I have this one playlist, like I call it, it's the same playlist I had since I'm in the sixth grade. And, uh, it has like 5,000 songs and there's a certain part in the playlist where you'll just see 
like the same album from the same artist just coming up and just going down the list. You'll see that because I went through everybody's discography and I found it and I did this a few times. So when starting to actually rap, like that was my studying. It was like a school subject for me. But yeah, the, the moment that really defined it for me, like I remember being in that car hearing Ludacris going crazy. And then he had that wordplay about at the end of the song, like, I don't know if that was in How Low or My Chick Bad, this wordplay, I think it was How Low, but like he was like talking about like kind of just running through the different types of women, like white women, black women, Asian women, Mexican women, Latin women, you know, just all types of different women. And he was going through them like ice cream flavors. And and I thought that was the dopest thing ever because that was all I ever heard. And I still think Ludacris gets heavily slept on, but that that was the moment right there. Well, I was going to say, because Ludacris isn't a common, like it's not one that I've ever heard in terms of what got you into hip hop or who nah, was the well, artist. Remember, born, I'm born in 04, you know? Like I, I'm born 2004. Like I was born right before the college dropout. Like I was born right when Old Dirty Bastard died, you know? So it was, I came in late, very late. So I came up on a lot of different things, you know, like when, when other people, like they gotten into hip hop when Wu-Tang was coming out or when LL was coming out. Oh, LL was big. My dad used to play LL in the car all the time. And Kane, Big Daddy Kane a lot. Slick Rick too. And Wu-Tang. But uh, Tribe Called 2. All coming back to me now. But, you know, it, I grew up in the time where Usher... And the Black Eyed Peas and Jay Sean were the biggest people on the planet. And Katy Perry and Taylor Swift took over music. And Bruno Mars was the new Michael Jackson. Like, that's that's when I came up. So the fact that I got into it the way I got into it was not supposed to happen. But it did. And I'm, I'm so thankful it did. Really, honestly, I'm so thankful it did because I can't imagine myself just listening to this bullshit that everybody listens to all the time. That's my only thing I ever listened to. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, when I speak to people, I'm, I was born in 94. So I'm still really young compared to the people that I talk to because they're talking about people in the 80s that I don't even, didn't even know exist. And so it's like, and for me. Well, what type of names do they say? To be honest, I don't remember. That's the thing. Like, I don't remember them because they tell me so many and I don't remember. But, like, for because my the album that got me into hip-hop was Get Rich or Die Trying, and that came out before even you were alive. So that makes me feel older. When was now. that, like, 01? Yeah, that like was, three. like, 2003. Uh. So that was 2003, and I was nine years old when I first heard that, and it blew my mind, like... It just, it's just, there's something about hip hop and in Australia and I come from like a Russian background. So my parents didn't expose this to me. Like we, I've, I've, I think I've said this potentially on a really early podcast, but I wasn't, we didn't have a very musical family, like sport education. Those were the things that I remember that were pushed, but like hip hop was something that I happened to stumble across and I've been obsessed with ever since. And my parents, they still don't like hip hop. They don't get the music. They just like, they support even what I do, but the music side of it, 
they're just like, okay, if you love it, you love it. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's always been something that's always been there for me. I love rap music and real hip hop. Like, I don't understand how people couldn't. It don't make sense to me. It's like, I don't understand it. I never will. But that's my place in, in, in music right there. Do you know what I think it is, though? It's that content-wise, you, you have to really listen to what is being – it requires a lot of concentration to really get it because – and the beats, especially boom bap, though, like well, if yeah. you're not used to boom bap, understanding the differences between boom bap beats is actually – you have to learn it. And then yeah. knowing what a flow is and then actually catching – the multi-syllable rhymes catching the bars bro on boom bap beats you can't go it's so easy to do that anywhere else the the 98 beats per minute you can't do that you know but like even back in the day like in the rock days like you had guys making song like Billy Joe had Miami 2017 and the whole song, like you got to really pay attention to hear what he's saying. Like he's talking about how, like basically saying like, what if like New York fell apart and, and like listening to it now in these crazy times, it's crazy to me, you know, like actually listening to the meaning there's songs like that, like American pie, like talking about the day Richie Valens and, and Buddy Holly died and, you know, stuff like that. There was like, there was like wordplay and metaphors back then. Like, uh, for 10 years, we've been on our own and Moss Girls fat on a Rolling Stone. But it's like, at the end of the day, like, there's never been wordplay and punchlines and all that, like boom bap hip hop. And chances are there will never be anything like that again. But I feel like hip hop is also kind of the most expressive because you can get what you want to say out more than any other genre. Like you see Adele makes these songs, like someone like you, like is a, is about someone that like she misses, like never might I find someone like you. And in rap that never might I find someone like you, you could fill that whole thing up with tons of more syllables and flip it in a way that sounds doper. And I think that that's really truly what made me fall in love with it because it was like so dope the way people could just play with lyrics and words and stuff like that yeah but i think it's the most expressive too in my opinion like well there's no fact like mortal tech yeah no a mortal technique dance with the devil could have never been done in any other genre i agree ever i that song is the first time you hear hear it it's like what the fuck did I just listen to? I'll tell you something too. I picked up that song. And when I was going through the stuff, I told you how I did it. You know, like I was going through the stuff, that song came up. And I like used to kind of fast forward to the middle of them. And like, I would, you just hear like, okay, this is the dope beat. I fuck with the drums and got this dope sample in the back that I later found out was Love Story. The theme from love story and so dope how they they flip that and then you just got mortal technique he's flowing nice on it i right, i'm gonna add this now one day i'm in class and i used to have my headphones on while i would be writing my essays in class and stuff like what was this like seventh grade so i'm sitting there and the song comes on i'm like oh yeah i remember this 
and I'm bumping it and I'm listening to the lyrics and like I just stop and uh, and this isn't even when the part comes and then when he says like he was looking into the eyes of his own mother you know like anytime somebody's like yo like I can't get into like storytelling rap that's always a song I play for them and they're in my mother, my mother's like not really big on hip hop. Like she likes the game and 50 Cent Method Man. Cause she's like, oh, I like their voice. I'm like on the low, like I'm, she's over here, but like I'm on the low, like I'm sure she like is attracted to them or some shit. You know what I mean? But like that, that's the type of stuff she likes. And I played that for her and she was like, that's how it is for everybody. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, someone played it at work one day and I was like turn that shit off that is not you just can't in a corporate environment like I was just like you gotta like because if you people know what they're doing and like I'm a hip-hop head so I'm like this you cannot play this because it's like (laughs) it is just like play it in your own time like I'm a fan of the track but you cannot play this for like you know older white ladies or older you know older gentlemen who don't listen to the music and then all of a sudden you're talking about yeah they're gonna be distraught if you play it for them and they actually sit down and listen because it doesn't matter what you listen to like and i spoke to i i me and him are, are real cool he's a real nice guy you know we've spoken a lot we hung out uh i was on the set of him and ra's music video right when covid kind of stopped like started coming down in new york like maybe like july 2020 so I was out there and me and him, he told me like hit him up for a feature if I have a need, like I'm waiting for the right beat for that. But uh, like we talked about, it. he said he wrote it while he was in jail, you know, like he told me the whole story behind it. And it's like crazy, you know, like that's real artistry, like that's storytelling, like that's better than a book, in my opinion, that's better than a movie, in my opinion. It's like, it takes no energy to sit down and listen to it. No energy, no time, no focus. Just sit there, lay back, you listen to it. And that song is one song where, like, no matter what you like, you're going to jump out of your seat because it's mind-boggling. Well, do you know, it reminds me of another song, Suicidal Thoughts by Biggie, is uh, I think that as a concept of a track is, and the execution of it was amazing. Just, and if you haven't listened to it, it's a phone call and he's having suicidal thoughts. And it's like back and forth and I love that back and forth and you feel like you're there in the moment and you're actually going what will happen at the end of this yeah no look and and all these rappers are talking about suicide today like Lil Uzi's biggest song is him just saying like uh his XO it's they call it XO tour life but like he really the title means like X your life like kill yourself you know and he's talking all my friends are dead push me to the edge and it's like all these rappers talk about suicide. There's a rap group called the Suicide Boys. Like Lil Peep used to talk about slitting his wrist. XXX, Tentacion, and Juice World were all about that. And and I, I rocked with a lot of it because it's like, you know, like, all right, like kind of like a mix in between like alternative rock and rap music and you kind of expressing your feelings and stuff. And there, there should be more outreach for people that feel that way. But like nobody credits Biggie for starting suicide rap. Like nobody ever did that before him talking about killing themselves. And that song was insanity, man. And then you got Puffy on the phone. Like, 
fuck's wrong with you, man? Yo, I'm getting a call now. I'll call you back, man. I'll call you back. Yo, big, yo, big. Yeah, that like, ending. Yeah. And just and the sound effects that were added in there, like just you get all the it's just so crisp and clean. There's that is a perfect song. I have no, no you know critiques. there's a Billy Joel song I can't listen to anymore because it's like I think it's like sometimes a fantasy or all for Lena or something, and like they have that same kind of like phone. Do, 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 right? And then the, you hear the ring, and it's it always just brings me back, and like I can't even enjoy it because it's like <laughs> that song fucked up, man. Song was messed up, but I love that song, one of my favorite songs. And I have friends my age who just now like heard it, and they're like, yo, this is crazy, bro. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> How many years now? Well, I just love the titles of his albums. Just like it's so, it's like prophesizing, you know, ready to die and then life after death. And it's like, it, there's, there was something about him. There was something about him. And every time I speak to someone who met him and, and you know, actually wrote, ver- who just, it was like an aura. Like he just had this unimaginable presence that like whenever you were around him you felt it i wish man i really wish i wish he would he would have been if anything if he was still here he would have been the biggest without a doubt it would have been interesting to see how they go what they do next because like every march 9th like breaks my heart for real i wish he was still around i always say it Hey, you know, at the end of the day, it's like he, he, the fact that he only had two albums and people still consider him the greatest ever proves just how great he was. I, I'll openly say that Biggie's better than Tupac. Uh, I mean, I think we need, I've I've never said this like before really ever anywhere. And my excuse really is always like, oh, I'm from the East Coast. But that's not why, you know, like that's really not why at all. Like, I think the game is better than a lot of rappers and he's from the West Coast. But Tupac had like 20 albums. He had a lot of hits, don't get me wrong. Like, I loved a lot of his stuff, and like, I, he's a legend. Like, Pac is a legend in every sense of the word. But if Biggie would have responded to hit him up, nah, man, it would have been crazy. I actually agree with you. I mean, Tubac isn't in my top five. Biggie is, and it's for the same reasons. Well, it's what it is to me. Biggie's flow is effortless. And he, as a rapper, and I'm talking about rapper, you can prefer Tupac's messaging and what he's talking about because they do really rap about different things. But as a rapper, technically, in terms of his skill set, I've always thought that his skill set is to a higher degree. That is just my, and you know, I've always been an East Coast type of sound person, but Biggie to me, effortless. Like I, it, when he raps, it's like he's not trying. And that, along with the way and the types of songs he was able to do, in terms of just the wide breadth that he was able to showcase in both of his albums, was 
amazing. His storytelling, he's got Gimme the Loot, where he's playing two versions of himself, kicking the door. I mean, the list hypnotized. It goes on and on and on and on in terms of just hits. Yeah, nobody can mess around with Biggie. Biggie is like, yeah, Biggie was better than Tupac. A lot of guys are better than Tupac. I'm going to be honest here. I mean, I love Tupac. I, all Eyes on Me is one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, Dear Mama is a real special song uh, that I that I hold with me. Uh, Thug's Mansion, Changes, the list goes on. Keep Your Head Up, The Streets of Death Row, Until the End of Time, Letter to My Unborn Child. Like, you got a lot of tracks where... Tupac is real great. And I think that he's one of the greatest rappers of all time. But I do think he was more of a revolutionary than an actual MC. You know, I think he was real good at, at the power to the people stuff and, and talking about the, the issues with the police and, and the, you know, just the injustice in America. And, and he really took that and ran with it and I would say he's the best to ever do that but when it comes to bars Big L killed him on a song Biggie killed him on that freestyle uh Pun would have killed him Eminem I'm sorry everybody everybody's gonna kind of try and come kill me that oh he's white Eminem is his favorite rapper. Eminem's not my favorite rapper. Big L's my favorite rapper, bro. But like Eminem is lyrically is better than Tupac. And I think that, you know. I have an Eminem question for you because I think Eminem's legacy has been somewhat diminished over the past period of time. His album. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I mean, honestly. He dropped Recovery, right? And everybody loved it. Like, you had not afraid. You had no love. You had loved the way you lied. That was probably the biggest Eminem ever was in his career in 2010. In in honest, in all honesty, like, that's, that's he went diamond again. Yeah, so I think, because I, I, I wonder if Eminem passed away after Slim Shady LP and Marshall Mathers LP, would he be considered one of the greatest, like he's still considered by most people as one of the greatest of all time. But I wonder where his legacy would be at if he was no longer alive, like Biggie. Like if Biggie had seven, like five more albums, I wonder what his legacy would be. And these are kind I, of the questions that I always have is like, Eminem has been so consistent over such a long period of time. Regardless of what you think, like he he is lyrically and flow wise and he's technically as good as anyone else there is. But I think just his recent albums just haven't hit the way I don't know. My thing is when Marshall Mathers LP two is one of my favorite albums ever. People look at me like I'm crazy, but brainless. He lost his shit. The monster was a crazy mainstream song. Rhyme or reason had that dope track. With the, with the dope sample talking about his father. Legacy got me through a lot. Rap God expressed his talents really to the, to the best. 
like 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 kind of like his technical talent. Like nobody did that really ever. Like the some of them some of you assuming I mean what I gotta do to get it do to you superhuman innovative innovative rubber so you know like that that was crazy. Stronger than I was, like me and my pops used to bump that in the car all the time. That's not even a rap song. That's just him singing it. And I found that to be mad dope. Love game, him and Kendrick Lamar going back and forth. Headlights uh, is also a very special song to me when it comes to me and my mother. And, and Beautiful Pain with Sia is is crazy. I think that's one of, the, one of the my favorite albums that he ever did. And people slept on it so bad because they went into it and they're like, oh, he's not the same anymore. Like after relapse, so many people went into bias. And people like Not Afraid, No Love, and Love the Way You Lie because they were so big. But if they never blew, I guarantee you people would be calling them trash. Relapse? Even Relapse, I think, is better than a lot of people's albums. Insane, We Made You, Beautiful, Crack a Bottle, Drop the Bomb on Them, five ballistic tracks, and Forever with Drake, Kanye, and Lil Wayne was on that album. So it's like, I can get what you're saying about Relapse, how he was like coming off drugs. He needed to learn how to rap again. And he was too with these accents and shit. Like I get it. But honestly, people started being biased after the Marshall Mathers LP two And Revival, everybody shits all over. I'll tell you something right now. I think people need to go back and re-listen to Revival. Because when they saw the track list and they saw they were there was no hip hop features on it, and they saw Ed Sheeran, Alicia Keys, Kaylani, X Ambassadors, everybody was like, "Nah, this is about to be trash. This is about to be trash." And then that Walk on Water single, like I'll be honest, that it was not it. Walk on Water was not it. There was no, I don't remember it too well. Beyonce's hook was good, but like there was no, I don't like it. And that part at the end, like. I made stand. Like, I don't know, bro. Like that. I mean, I slept on that album. I slept on it. And yeah, look, I'm right now, bro. Listen, River with Ed Sheeran. Crazy wordplay on that shit. You know, crazy wordplay talking about his ex-wife. Remind me is a dope party track. Like home is anybody who is opposed to Donald Trump or or racism generally in, in America is like that's a song you should listen to because you would like it like it supports what you believe you got tragic endings which you got a crazy dope hook nowhere fast was the like the perfect song to come out in 2017 and everybody slept on it heat dope party track offended he went rap god at the end in your head, one of my favorite Eminem songs ever. Castle, one of my favorite Eminem songs ever. And Arose is one of my favorite Eminem songs to get in my bag about. Like, I really think people slept on Revival. Kamikaze is a different story. I think Kamikaze is one of the best Eminem albums ever. I'm I was a huge fan of Kamikaze. He actually went, do you know what annoys me about Eminem sometimes is that he likes to complain. And I think sometimes it's like, I'm sick of you talking about people hating on you. I actually just want you to be like, fuck them. And I'm just going to go hard. And Kamikaze, he just went hard. And I think there was, there was this little period of time where he was too concerned with what people were saying. And I think that's also what was the amazing about his initial albums is like, 
he just went for it. He wasn't concerned with like what people were saying. And there was this, you know, the yeah. No, I mean, but revival is everybody said that after MMLP2, they're like, oh, we want woke shady back. He gave you a whole album. He gave you a a, a deep letter to his daughter track, a track about overdosing. He gave you two crazy party tracks. He gave you songs that really should have went crazy in 2017. You know what I mean? Like you got Ed Sheeran, Kaylani, like all these people are, were huge then, still huge now, but they were like, that's real. Shape of You was like the biggest song ever in 2017. So it's like, he gave you the woke Eminem and then you just shit all over it when it was honestly a good album. Kamikaze is one of my favorite Eminem albums ever made. And uh, I really just, I feel like it was, you can't touch it. Look, the last one, Music to be Murdered by, uh, I can't say it was my favorite. I think out of the three of them, it would probably rank second out of the three. Like it would probably go Kamikaze, Music to be Murdered by, and then Revival. But I think that, I don't know. I just wasn't in the right headspace when I listened to it for the first time. Uh, but now looking back, like Unaccommodating is a crazy track. You Gonna Learn, Godzilla, Darkness, talking from the perspective of the person who shot up the show from the Las Vegas hotel room. You know, that's crazy. We actually reviewed that album, the Side B. We didn't review Side A. We reviewed the album in Side B. And yeah, it, it was album like later on when i listened to it like it was a great album when i first listened to it like i don't know i I felt some type of way about it but i really think it's a great album and he he uh he just dropped that song for the uh the venom 2 soundtrack and like he's not even trying he's like uh what did he say man he's like i don't know he he was just like got all this bread i'm still tired though i don't know rocky balboa but i've never been a Tal throw and, and then like he, he's still like going crazy you know I feel like people sleeping on him everybody hates 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 obviously he's not gonna be as great as he was when he dropped the classic albums nobody is Donda comes nowhere near the college dropout ever Donda does not touch late registration graduation Donda don't even touch life of Pablo I agree. I I think it was overhyped personally. Like, okay, the production sonically is impressive, but most of those songs I will never listen to again. I just I enjoyed it. I really I did enjoy it. I really liked it. Uh, I think out of the two albums, the Shan- uh, the Certified Lover Boy and Donda, I think I enjoyed Donda more. Um. I, I don't know. Come to life is not really like it's not a rap song, but like I love that song like a lot. There, there's that song uh, with West Side Gun and and Conway, and there's that other song that he did with Jada Kiss and uh, Jay Electronica. And I think there's you know Jail's a dope song. Off the Grid is in in my opinion one of the best Kanye verses ever. Like I really think that he should have rapped like that more. If anything, like first it go viral, then it get digital, then it get critical. No, I'm not doing no interview. Mess on my face, you can see what I'm finna do. Had to stay away from people, but that's miserable. Don't want to talk to you. Ain't finna get with you. Ain't finna talk to you. Ain't finna sit with you. You know, like I, I was forgetting you. 
Now I remember. Now I remember. Say what I want and I do what I want and go like never. Like, why you get sensitive? You know, like he he was flowing on it. And and I think that he should have done more of that, if anything. But I think he's still good. Do I think he's gonna be as great as he was? No. I don't think that about anybody. I don't think Drake can ever be as great as he was. I don't think Wayne can ever be as great as he was. I definitely don't think Jay could ever be as great as he was just because his mind is elsewhere. If anything, I think Jay out of everyone, Jay and M have like that power kind of, but I think Jay's more focused on the business side of things nowadays. Well, do you know whose album people slept on was Nas's album that dropped this year? The, the new one? Yeah, it was actually really good. Like it fits him. He figured out how to make a new, like a new sound with old hip hop elements. And it was such a good album, but people slept on it. Like I haven't heard anyone really talk about it that uh, much because it came out around the same time as Donda and Certified Lover Boy. And I think out of the three, that is the one that I go to out of those three. I don't know. I think that the first King's Disease, and I love Nas. Nas is definitely like in my top five, uh, but. I the first King's Disease was not it. The second and the lo- the Lost yeah. Tapes too. Besides the song he did with my man Static, shout out to Static was not it. The bars are all there, but as far as production selection, nah, I don't. I don't really think he he did a great job with those two. But this recent one, I think I was able to enjoy it a lot more. You know the. I'll be honest. I think he watched them and them on that song. I think he did a better job. I agree. I mean, uh, a lot of a lot of people are like, "Oh, Eminem killed that song." I don't know. I think Nas handed him his ass on that song. I don't know. He'd like feel like Carrie could walk to a cemetery to see where hip hop is buried. I said it's dead, but really, it's definitely like Machiavelli. You know, lodged Escobar. Pull up Met Stadium by my restaurant. Like he was just talking his shit. Like it's classic Nas in there. And Eminem, I don't know. Like I, I love Eminem, but like as I said, I love Eminem. But his verse on that song was like. Let me ask you this because you seem to remember lyrics really easily. Like is 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 that something that you've noticed that it just sits with you, or is it because you're listening to tracks? So long, like, where does that skill set come from? Because for me personally, I don't remember lyrics that well. Like, I know I'm a fan, and then when it plays, I'm like, oh, yeah, shit. But I wouldn't be able to, like, verbatim spit lyrics. Uh, It's a little bit of both. I listen to these songs a lot, but at the same time, even if I don't, like, I, I listened to the song with Eminem and Nas, like, three times. And, and that's what I remember from it. I think I just really memorize. Like, I have a really good memorization skill nowadays because of all the practice I've done in terms of rapping for myself. So it, it kind of like, I remember lyrics very fast. And when something resonates with me, like, it, it resonates. Well, I think it's impressive. Like, in terms of just your ability to, because to be honest, in this conversation, we've literally jumped from album to person to person to album. And you seem to just be able to switch, remember the flow. Like it's like, you've just got it. 
and that to me is really impressive. And you know, I I forget. I honestly, when we talk about these things, I forget that you're not even eighteen yet. Like I forget these. Yeah, things. It, it slips a lot of people's minds because it's like I don't act that way. But it, it I don't know. Everybody, I'm an old soul, man. That's how it is. Well, I think you and I both, because I get that a lot. I've looked like this since I was 16, to be honest. Uh, maybe get rid of the beard. I had to shave a little too, man. I got <laughs> got my happening right here. I got to shave before I go to a party tomorrow. <laughs> you know what it is? It's the Eastern European blood. It's like the growing hair has never been a challenge in my life. Uh, stopping my beard from attacking my eyes, that I have to maintain. Yeah. Well, man, I only have one more question for you. And to be honest, this this podcast has barely been anything about you. We might have to have you back on so we actually learn more about you. But I'm sure there'll be much more in your career in terms of what you do and, and what you achieve. And I said I was going to ask you about Method Man, but maybe we'll leave that at the end. Um, but this is the hardest question of the whole podcast. It's the only question that I plan. Uh, and it is this. If you had to recommend one album it doesn't have to be hip-hop can be any genre that everybody should listen to at least once to get an appreciation of other than obviously your own music what would it be jesus peace by the game most slept on album ever one of the greatest albums ever released jesus peace by the game uh has everything and i really think that i don't know why he didn't get the shine he deserved on that but i really think people should go back and listen to that jesus peace there we go the game uh i'm a big fan of the game i was supposed to go see the game when he was coming down to australia but then he wasn't let in at the border so you know hopefully when he comes does a tour uh hopefully we can see him but uh man as i said it's been an absolute pleasure and before i finish up i will ask you about method man um you know how was that experience what was that like in terms of meeting the the one and only really Meth came to Coney Island. It was crazy. I got the call not too long before. Yo, Meth Man's coming to Coney. I was like, all right. So I came to Mermaid Avenue, and uh, my man D Chambers was shooting a video for his song with Meth. And it was September 2020, so COVID really still pretty bad out there, and, and he didn't want to be inside the barber shop with a million people. You know, so he comes outside, and I'm the same type of way, so I was outside. I'm like, yo, Meth, can I spit for you, bro? He's like, all right. So I spit. And I have a video on my Instagram reels, I think, if you scroll down far enough. But I spit for him, and he said, like, I wish I was still in the industry so I could sign you. And he's like, yo, like, hit my DM, whatever. You know, like, these guys' DMs, like, fly by. But, like, just to hear him say that and to really, like, show love. And, like, he said, I was real dope. And, and the flows and the bars. And, like, I, I, he said I had it all, and I got it. So he's one of my favorites. He's the top 10 for me. And how old were you at that time? I was 15. He should 15. have hooked you up with someone he knows. Nah, that's all good, man. I mean, look, <laughs> it's all love. Math is the man. Well, you know. Best member of the Wu-Tang Clan. May I say, may I say. <laughs> we won't tell Rizzo. We won't tell him. He won't. We won't tell the architect. But Rizzo is a genius. Rizzo is a genius. Rizzo put it all together. And after watching that show, whole newfound respect for Rizzo. But as far as rapping goes, 
Meth Ghost Ray Jizza Inspector Deck, I would say. Well, look, uh, to be honest, you know, you're picking from the top, the, you know, one of the greatest hip hop uh, crews ever, like in Mob Deep as well, you know, Prodigy and Havoc. Someone has to be worse than the other, but it's just how it is. But as I said, Lil D. That does not mean he's not great for real. He's amazing. Legend. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Um, and, you know, same as you, you know, really impressive in terms of not only your ability in terms of an artist, but also your knowledge and your clear love for hip hop. Because I think like sometimes there are people I speak to, I'm sure people you speak to an artist that like, like the idea of hip hop and see it as an avenue for a career. But, you know, it's clearly a passion of yours and something that you've, you're obsessed with. So um, it's always a pleasure to speak to someone who's obsessed with it. If I can be honest, yeah. more than I am, uh, because you know everything back to front, and I l- absolutely love that. But you know, pleasure having you on the show, and I can't wait to see what you can do next. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. My pleasure to be here, man. Much love, bro. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe, and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under Hip Hop Hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.